y'all would, let's go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. I want to pick up here. Um, we're going to read verse 5 and then verse 6, and then we're going to go to First Peter. We, we had talked about it, Rosh Kadesh, on uh, New Moon, about the word of the month. And now as we've entered into Sivan and uh, we've entered into this third month, um, I just wanted to continue with this theme. Now, I want to say this to start with. Um, what I'm going to be teaching on is is, is perspective. We have to, because I'm going to say some things. Do y'all know, have you ever seen like these jets, like these F-15s, F-16s, and all of that, and they have these little ejection things when they get in trouble? Well, um, y'all help Tammy keep her hands off the ejection thing, because I'm liable to say a few things to start with, and I don't want her to eject. Hold her down right there. See, because perspective, like I was telling her last night, you know, we was over there eating, is I don't argue. I just explain to her why I'm right. So there's perspective. So when you understand perspective, it changes a lot of things, right? Makes things not negative. So what I want to say right off the bat, that we are not a treasure possession. Keep your hands off the thing. Keep your hands off. I saw those lips. Everybody always wants me to put a mirror up here when I say things so they can see her expressions. We are not a treasure possession. We are his treasure possession. Are you better? Dad, hands off the hands off the jack button. She's calm down now. There's, look, we are his. It's about ownership. We are not a something. We are his something. And this is why these feasts are so important. This is why Shabbat's so important. This is why, because these are his set-apart times. We have gone through Leviticus 23. It starts with the Sabbath, and it goes through every one of the feasts. And it says these are his feasts, not Jewish feasts. These are his times, not a certain people's times. These are his. But guess what? We belong to him. We are a his. So there's a his, and there's a his. And we need to understand that pronouns mean something. Amen? That we're not a or we're not an it. So this is why this is so important because if we are his and he's telling us to be somewhere on his day or his time, there's that connection because guess what? The earth and all that's in it belongs to who? Him. It's not mine. It's his. It's his land. It's his place. We are his people. Especially those who have accepted Yeshua as their Savior. This is what we've been talking about coming out of Exodus. He came in and he sent a deliverer to deliver them out of Exodus. He sent a deliverer into this land, Yeshua, to deliver us from our sins. And so when we've accepted that and we've applied that blood, then this, now there's ownership. We're no longer a, a, we are a his. We belong to him. So the perspective is everything when now we're reading these scriptures. Okay, verse 5 in 19 of Exodus is, is now therefore... Now, look, if you write in your scriptures, I always encourage you to do so. You're not defaming your word, but if you feel that, then don't do it. You know, just take your iPhone out and just mark on the screen. Yeah, right. Perspective, I'm just saying. Work with me, Alan. So anyway, therefore, don't let Alan mark on the screen with a per, uh, permanent marker. Okay, there we go. All right, now, therefore, if, and this is one we always tell everybody to serve, because this is conditional here. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. 
So he's telling them something here because this is why this is important because when we go to 1 Peter, it's the same language because this is what Peter's doing. He's quoting back here. It's not a different message. It's the same message. If you will indeed obey and keep, then you shall be what? My. Do you see that word? You can circle that. That's so important. We are not a treasure possession. We are his treasure possession. Among who? Among all the peoples. He's doing the choosing, not because Israel was great. He chose them because of a covenant he made with Abraham and is followed all the way down to the seed who is Yeshua. So he's saying that there is a my treasure possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. So everything is ownership. And even in all the earth, he chose a land and he chose a city in a land. And it's his treasured possession because it's his. And this is why. And you know what, guys? That is still important today. Regardless of what you think, it is still it is still his. And it is still set apart and it is still kadosh. It's still holy. Verse 6, it says, and you shall be to what? To me. He didn't say, and you shall be a kingdom. This is important. You, he didn't say you shall be a kingdom of priests. He said, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. This, we're, this is, our focus is never to be upon ourselves. He says, love him and then love our neighbor. If we can't get the love him part, you can try all day long to love your neighbor and it ain't going to work. All you're going to do is love at them. You're not going to love them if we don't have this relationship correct. So first, if we have this relationship, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now, this is before the golden calf. So he didn't. he's not addressing the Levites here. He's addressing the children of Israel. He's telling them that you shall be, we shall be, even those that are grafted in shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So there again, the feast are his, we are his. And it's all about coming together. It's about a gathering. You see the, the principle, they were in Egypt, they were scattered, they were out of the land, they come back in. You see today after the golden calves, you've seen what happened in Rehoboam and Jeroboam, you've seen uh, the scattering, and now there's a gathering. And this is all important. He is, there again, there is a group of people that are doing what we do. Not everybody in the world is doing this. And we're not it in a jar of peanut butter. The thing about it is, is that if we listen and learn to obey and just simply do what he asks us to do and not say that and start picking and choosing this is done away with, that's done away with, but do it his way, then we can become a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. All right, now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We talked about this at Rosh Kadesh, and, and Peter is just telling you know, Paul was sent, as we always say, Paul is sent to the nations or the Gentiles, the dispersed. But also Peter went to the house of Israel, to Judah and all of that. And this is a message that he is ministering to them, and he's telling them something. But he's telling them that, but you are a chosen race or a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for what? His own. See, that's that's the key. His own possession. It's the same wording. You shall be to me. 
it, this is a mindset, but guys, this mindset is important. If we don't recognize who we are and, and understand, remember when we talked about the church of Sardis? It says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. What is a reputation? If, if Yahweh is seeing my reputation, then I'm dead. I need to be representing him because I've accepted him as my king. What we do, you know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite's not saying that you're a believer and doing something wrong. It's it, in, in a sense of, maybe I said that wrong, but anyway, really what I'm trying to say is, is that you're a believer. We need to be a believer. Well, that's the same thing, wasn't it? I just said it backwards. But here's the deal. The deal, yeah, that right there. So this is key to us in our life is that we are to represent him in this earth. See, she just explained to me why she was right. See, we didn't argue. That was a good way to do it. But this is the key. Guys, he's telling Israel before the fall of the golden calf, you shall be a kingdom. He's telling us now that Yeshua, he's reestablishing something, that we are to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. In other words, we represent him in this earth. And so what we do and what we say is we're representing him if we profess to be a believer. And we need to make sure that our mouth and our feet line up. We don't need to be saying one thing and walking opposite because that's what was happening in these seven congregations in Revelation. A lot of that's... that. Well, when you get into Thyatira, when you get into a Jezebel, when you get into all of these things, this mixture, you can't have a mixture. It's not about, look, we have to worship him like he says that we need to worship him because we are his people. These are his days. These set apart times. We don't need to be adding our own stuff. And that's what we've done. It isn't nothing new. They used to do it back then, and they got in trouble for it, enough that it kicked them out and got them into captivity. I think he's doing something. He is ga- he's in the process, I believe, of gathering and gathering and gathering. For those who are... Every time that he talked to a church or a congregation in Revelation, the seven, at the end of it, what did he always say? He who has what? An ear to hear, let them hear what the Ruach, what the Spirit is saying to them. But do you know he's speaking? It's so sad because, I mean, look, I was there... But we would always take these seven congregations and we'd say, well, this was in this period, this was in this period, and on down. Guys, all of these seven congregations speaks to everybody in every period. And we're supposed to be doing what he's telling. He's commending them what they did right and the things that he said that they were doing wrong. We need to evaluate ourselves in our period and make sure that we're not following what they did because we are the body of Messiah. So we are a people for his own possession. And guys, there's a reason. He just didn't do this because he didn't have anything to do. He did this for a reason, and here's the reason. That me and you, that you may proclaim his praises, his excellencies of him who are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have a job. He's given us a mandate. He, he saved us. He brought us out of darkness into his light, that we can be witness to those that are still in darkness, that they can come into his marvelous light. He did not send his son to die on a cry on the cross, on the cross for fire insurance. And this is what has happened to religion as a whole. This is what these seven congregations, 
that I will accept Yeshua as my Savior so I don't want to go to hell. But I don't want to change my lifestyle. I still want to do and have ownership, and I still want to do what I want to do. I want to set up my own ways. I feel led that I need to do on and on and on, I, 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 I. It doesn't work that way. And this is why he speaks to them about that they left their first love. And all of these things that you see that we've been studying. But he's telling us that we've been called out that we may proclaim in everything that we do in our life. Everything that you do, you're proclaiming something. Because people know you by what you do and by what you say. It's just the way it is. Verse 10, he says this, because you were once not a people, but now you are whose people? Elohim's people. You're his people. There's ownership there again. You're not just a people. You are his people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he's quoting Hosea here. I got notes written everywhere, as you can well see, so I'm trying to. Trying not to miss something here. Think about this. We're going to get to this word, carbonate, here in a little bit, I hope. It's usually translated sacrifice and offerings. But one of these here, it talks about that both of these terms... It's, it's mainly about us drawing near. And this is why, because we're coming into Shavuot. And that's about drawing near. And this is so, so, so important. Sacrifice and offerings, both terms suggest a loss or a giving up of something. So I just want to share something with you. Yahweh doesn't ask us to do anything that He hadn't done first. And He gave up His Son as a sacrifice. The wages of sin is what? Death. There had to be a death. Had to be. Man's sin. There had to be a death. So he gave up something. He lost or he gave up something for us to be able to draw near. We are a privileged people. And I'm talking about generations from the very beginning of what he had to do. said through Adam, through, man, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world through one man. Yeshua took care of this problem. So we have to know if our Heavenly Father, He leads by example. He's always led by example. He gave up something very precious to Him. That's why these feasts and festivals are so, so, so important. Because it's about drawing near and it's about dwelling with Him. And yet He made a way for us to do that. And so all I'm trying to say is is this, is that, you know what we have to guard against? We have to guard against just flippantly coming in here and just doing something because it's the time to do it. There's a reason why you do it. It's about praising. It's about proclaiming. Not only because, look, people don't understand what we do, but doing what the Word says to do is what we do. Are we perfect? Absolutely we're not perfect. Are we learning? Absolutely we're learning. We're trying to just simply do what He asks us to do. But it's important that these feasts and festivals, because there's times that He meets us. Can He meet you every day? Absolutely He can. 
because we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But there are special times and seasons that he does special things for his people. I hope I'm just saying that right. Let's go to Isaiah 60. Let's look at verse 1. Now, Isaiah, he's, he's ministering. We, we've had people go in captivity. We have people coming out of captivity. In verse 1 in chapter 60, he says this, Arise, shine, or be enlightened, for your light is come. Arise. Um, Tammy, could you do me a favor? You got a mic? Can you go to Isaiah 3, 26? He's telling them to arise, and he's not just saying this because it's a good word to use. It's because they were down. They were in mourning. They were in dust. They were, in, they were coming out of captivity. They were put down because of sin. But now he's bringing them out. He's telling them to arise. What does verse 26 say? And her gates will lament and mourn. And deserted, she will sit on the ground. She will sit on the ground. Here she is. This is Israel in this place of mourning, this place of being in the dirt. And he's telling her, arise, get up, it's time. You've been through it, it's time to ascend to your place. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. Now, I'm going to go, let's go to Jeremiah 3, verse 16 through 18. Now, this is naturally a prophecy. And I'm hoping that this is being fulfilled in our ears today. Because he did a lot of woe to the shepherds at the beginning. But now he says this, starting in verse 15. I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, we, we know the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, uh, 1 and 2. And two of them is knowledge and understanding. The shepherds are... The leaders, the fivefold ministry should be feeding people really with the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit. When two of them is knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and increased where? In the land. The land is important. In those days, declare Yahweh, there shall no more say. Listen to what he's saying here. The ark of the covenant of Yahweh, it shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. At that time, Jerusalem shall be caused, shall be called the throne of Yahweh. You can see why the land is so important and Jerusalem so important. That Jerusalem itself is going to be called the throne of Yahweh and all the nations shall gather to it. This is what these feasts are. These, these are called pilgrimage feasts. These are called gathering feasts. They're there for reasons is to teach us about the gathering of the nations back to himself. To the presence of Yahweh in Jerusalem, there shall no more stubbornly, no more stubbornly uh, follow their own evil heart. In those days, listen, this is what's happening now. I just believe this. In those days, the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel, and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land of that I gave to their fathers for heritage. And this is why these feasts are so important, because this is a gathering. If we're not doing what he asked us to do, how do you gather? He gathers us by his word. He gathers us 
with Shabbats and these feasts and the Moedims, his special times, there's a gathering that takes place. All right, let's go back to Isaiah 60, and I'll pick up in verse 2. Guys, this is important. Because we've been in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, which we've been everywhere. Remember it talks about how the dragon, Satan, who's waiting for the man-child, he don't get it. But yet he's going to turn his venom, he's going to turn his anger towards a people. And this people, are, as it says in the scripture, it says in verse 17, those who have the testimony of Yeshua and keep the commandments of Moses or the commandments of Yahweh. He turns his venom on a group of people. But yet, the beautiful thing is, is the Father brings us into the wilderness. He brings us to a place of protection while Satan ends up doing what he's doing. Look at verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. Do you see the land and peoples? You see that here, earth and peoples? Not only do you have darkness, you got thick darkness. This is bad tribulation that's coming on this land. But I like the next word, but. I like this but. It changes things. But Yahweh will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. This darkness won't touch His people. Because we're going to be a light to those who are in this utter darkness of tribulation. To help them give... Yahweh is an Elohim of mercy. He, he never stops fighting for His people. But there is a darkness. Now, will a lot of these people, we know the book of Revelation, a lot of these people just don't care. And they're just going to they're gonna double down on stupid. That's just what happens. And then they're going to they're gonna suffer for it. But it isn't because he isn't trying to help them. He's giving them chance after chance after chance to see what's going on. What? Well, let me... But Yahweh will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. He called us out of Egypt, and He gathered us out of Mount. And He's given us His Torah and His Holy Spirit. This is why these stories are so, so important at a particular time. He just didn't pick a time and say, Well, I'm just going to give you the Torah here, and then in Acts, I'm just going to pick Sukkot and give you the Holy Spirit here. He didn't do that. True worshipers worship how? In spirit and truth. He gives you his word and he gives you his ruach. He gives you that. And he get man, he just lines it out. If we can just follow the way it's written, he just shows us that his fingerprints are all over this thing. Verse 4, he says, Lift up your eyes all around and see they're all gathered together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Do you have people... Do you have people in your family that you're praying for? Don't give up hope. But here's the thing. You can't compromise the very thing you compromise. My, my father-in-law taught me this. And if he didn't teach me, he taught me a lot of things. But this one thing got etched in me. What you compromise to keep, you will lose. Think about this. You better grab that, write it down, do whatever. We don't tattoo, but 
what you compromise to keep, you will lose. So if you think that you can compromise so that you can have a son or daughter or somebody, it don't work that way. You will lose that person. What you compromise to keep, you will lose. Because it's His Word that brings life, not my way of trying to interpret it or the games that I play or the different programs that we put in here, whether it's pick up basketball or pick up football or pick up a tennis ball or whatever it is, pick up a trumpet. That ain't what it's about. It's about His Word walking out His ways. His Word is life. His Torah is life. It's light. That is what brings us and sets us apart as a different people. When we sit here and think that His Word is archaic, and we think that His Word is not for us today and is outdated and all of that kind of stuff, and you can do this and you can't do this because the society is doing this, you're sunk. Deep darkness will come upon that type of thinking. It just will. And there's a reason why he talks about those who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yeshua. And this is what he's doing. He's not leaving us in darkness. He's bringing us out as best he can with people like us who's fighting the process. Okay, lift up your eyes all around and see that all together that they come, your sons from afar, and the daughters shall be carried on the hip. Verse 5 then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and exalt. Because the abundance of the sea, the abundance of the sea, he's talking about coming nations coming in, the abundance, all the wealth of the sea shall be turned to you. And the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Now, guys, I just want to stop here and tell you this is not a charismatic blab it and grab it and sow a Volkswagen and reap a Cadillac and sow a Cadillac and get a jet plane. That's not what this is talking about. You know what this is talking about? Where have we seen this before? What about Yeshua? Yeshua is a babe, probably around two years old at the time. Wise men came from the east. And what did they do? They brought him transportation. They brought them wealth. They were poor. They didn't have a place. They go in a manger. They go in a place, and he's born there. They're not wealthy people. But yet, he knew that they were going to have to go into Egypt for a period of time. If Yahweh's bill, if it's Yahweh's will, it's Yahweh's bill. In other words, he prepared, he brought these wise men bringing gifts, and he gave them where they didn't have, and that's how what sustained, not only took them to Egypt, but sustained them in Egypt until the time that he called him back. If, if you're in his will, it doesn't matter. I don't, if we're in the wilderness, if he's there, hallelujah. Because wherever we're at, if we're in Tamar Park, hallelujah. If he's there, hallelujah. I want to be where he's at because where he's at, there's manna, there's water, there's the rock, there's substance. If you're out of his will, it's going to dry up. And then the manna's going to have worms in it. This happens in our life spiritually. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it definitely happens physically the same way. Like we was talking about with, with Johnny. Don't understand why he was involved in a wreck. wasn't his fault. Tried to miss it. Somebody lost control. Very thankful neither party was killed. Don't know because guess what? He drives an 18-wheeler. What is his business? 
of that truck. And so does income come in when that truck's in the shop or maybe total or whatever? Absolutely not. So now what happens is, is that family, you know, Miranda's fixing to have a baby, and we don't want the baby too soon. Just keep the baby in the oven and just have shalom and peace and know that the Father's going to take. But this is why community is so important is because communities can help people get through the rough patches or when you don't know. Because you know what? I don't have the answers. I'm going to sit up here and think that I do. I don't. But you know what? We will know the answer, and Yahweh will show it to them in due time and due season. But the reason why community is so important is that nobody in here wants to be on the side of receiving. We always want to be on the side of giving. But if you don't want to be on the side of receiving, that's pride. I had to learn that the hard way. Because finally, when the father spanked me one day, I had a great job, and I had plenty of money, and I had plenty of whatever, and I always loved to give. And when one time, it was to where I needed to receive, and I just, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to go to the bank. You don't think Yahweh tore that honey up? He said, let me tell you something, big shot. I'll forever, you depend on the bank, you'll forever depend on the bank. He said, you got a community that's willing to help you, then that's what you do. You're not the only one. This is where, because you know what? If you don't allow that person to help you, you're robbing them of a blessing. Thief. And that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear. If I'm robbing you of a blessing, then I'm, a, I'm, I'm stealing. And that's, that's the word he gave to me. And I had to learn the hard way. But you know what? It was pure pride. It was just pride because nobody wants to be on the receiving end. But guess what? Sometimes it's our time to receive. We all need to be givers. We need to be energy givers, not energy takers. All of these things matter in what he's doing as a community and how we work together. Where did I end up? Okay, so in verse 5 of that, it talks about even the wealth of the nations shall come to you. The wealth of the nations don't come to you so you can buy a bigger car and all of that. The wealth of the nations comes to us so that we can further the kingdom, that we can take care of orphans and widows, and you can take care of the, the show His excellency upon this earth. There's no reason if you got a Harley, you don't need another one. You know what I'm saying? Amen. All right. Sorry about that, Roy. I got to use another example. Roy's got six of them. All right, let's go. Let's try another example. You don't need a. You don't need another gun. Leave guns out of this. Guns is on the back of the list. I am gun poor. If y'all know what that means, I got. I got some. That's fair play. It is. Thank you, Roy. You got somebody. You got a heckler on the front row with you. I was gonna say shoes, but my goodness, I don't get on shoes. Some people's got closets just for shoes. Airplane, yeah, airplane. Ain't none of us in here got an airplane, I don't think. Anybody back there? Okay, let's talk with him. But what I'm saying is, is he, but a lot of times when we get something, what do we do? We, you know, we want, we get a little extra money, we want to go do something, buy something or whatever. And like I said before here, I'm just as guilty. I wear, I wear 20% of what's in my closet. Everybody can say, yes, I, I can understand. That's just what we do. We're just a people. There's, we're just a wealthy people. 
gas prices is through the roof, but that might fix things soon. But right now, we've been a wealthy people. All right, let's go to uh, Isaiah 61, the next chapter. I just wanted to bring this little thing here out. Verse 1 talks about, this is Yeshua and the prophecy about him, and this is what he quoted in, in the Gospels. That the Spirit of Yahweh will rest upon me because, you know, Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and all that. I'm not going to... I wanted you to really look at verse 3. Because verse 3, he's talking about himself, but then it was to do something. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, arise, shine. See, to grant to those. He did all of these things to do something. He just didn't do it to do something for himself. He did something for us. And it was to grant us who mourn is to give them a beautiful headdress. You can see how it's to grant those, to give them. Further down it says that they may be called the oaks of righteousness and the planting of Yahweh, that He may be glorified. So you can see everything that Yeshua did, He did it to glorify His Father. And guess what? He's our elder brother, and we're to follow suit, and everything that we're to do, we're to do the same thing. Verse 4 is very important, because here's the mandate. They shall do what? Build up the what? Ancient ruins. This is what we're doing. We're bringing now back the Torah with the Holy Spirit. We're taking the whole scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We're building up the ancient ruins, coming back to the way it's supposed to be. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So what he's doing is, is he's saying that we have a job. We have to build, we have to raise, and we have to repair. That's our job, that he's given that to us to do. And he's equipped that. He's equipped us by the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit. This is why counsel and understanding and wisdom and knowledge and might and the fear of Yahweh, this is why all of this is important. It's just not, he's just not doing this. He's, he's equipping us to do so. All right, now let's go to Acts chapter 10. I want to give you an example of a person named Cornelius. There's an hour of prayer. Y'all know what the hours of prayer are here. We should. All right. One starts it for us, starts at 9 o'clock. Now, there is a 12 o'clock. Some people do it. Some people may not. And then the other one is what? 3 o'clock. Okay. Hours of prayer. Very important. Daniel, these people that, that um, how can I say, these, these people that went out there and framed him, they knew his hour of prayer. He would go and he would face towards Jerusalem. We talked about Jerusalem. Jerusalem's important. Look, they went into captivity. He could have copped an attitude. Or like my kids say, he could cop a tood. But he didn't cop an attitude. What he did was he knew. Are we a David or are we a Daniel? He knew the signs of the time. He knew the reason. It wasn't a time that, what you going to do? Yahweh said, hey, Nebi. That's short for Nebuchadnezzar. He said, come on in here and get these people because they're rebellious. Daniel understood the signs of the time. He understood that it was captivity time. I mean, he had Jeremiah. He had all of these prophets telling him, you better wake up. You better wake up. You better wake up. How many times? You better wake up. You didn't do it. You didn't change. You sit there and you listen to all these others and you slap him because he's speaking the truth. So what happens is, is this is why we need to be discerning. But even Daniel, he didn't stop. So he would face Jerusalem because he knew that's where his house was. He faced that direction. We read this. 
So what happens is, is the hour of prayer is very, very important. But I will t- stand here and tell you, talking about me, i got to shore up my life in these hours of prayer. Because they have not hit me as hard as they did this year. These hours of prayer are important. Think about this in this story. We have at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. I got to make a correction. I've always, I just said a centurion was 100. But in a Roman, centurion is 80. Look it up. I don't know why they use the word centurion, but it says centurion, it says 80, or there are 80 legionnaires or 80 soldiers makes up a century. So a centurion, and if I'm wrong on that, then I'll apologize for that too. But I know it's a bunch of soldiers. But it says really a centurion, he's over a century, which is 80 soldiers, of what was known as an Italian cohort. Now, a cohort is a battalion. This is anywhere from 800, I mean 480 to 600 legionnaires or soldiers. So this is, in other words, I'm just trying to tell you that Cornelius, was, he was not just a legionnaire. He was not just a soldier. He was one who was in charge. you got to understand Cornelius being who he was and being a follower of Yeshua, that was not popular. It could cost him his life from Caesar if this thing got out of hand and they knew it. But listen at him. So here we have Cornelius. We're talking about somebody who's a Gentile. He's a Roman. A devout man who feared Elohim. Remember we talked about the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit? One of them is the fear of Yahweh. Here's a man who feared Elohim. Also, Proverbs 1, 7 and Proverbs 9, 10 says this, the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of Yahweh. You can see this. So here's a man who feared Yahweh with all of his household. He did something. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to Elohim. This praying continually is wording of the hours of prayer. These times of 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock and maybe 12 o'clock, these were the hours of prayer. So these are these prayed continually. So you have a man who's giving alms generously to the people and he's praying continually in the hours of prayer. He's doing what Daniel did to this time because he says right here, verse 3, tells you that. About the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock our time, p.m., So at the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision. An angel of Elohim came to him, came in and said to him, Cornelius. And he jumped up and gave him high five. No. It says he startled him in terror and said, what is it, master? And he said to him, guys, this is important. He said to him, now this is, this is a Gentile. This is somebody who was a Roman. This is somebody, he learned some of this from somewhere. And I don't know, I'm not that deep into Cornelius in his life. I've never studied him that much. But he picked something up that was awesome. He picked up their ways. Somehow or another, he saw something or something happened to him. Because this is Peter here. Yeshua's only been crucified not many years from here. If it's been however many years. You know what I'm saying? 
So what I'm saying is, is something happened to Cornelius. Was he there on that day that he was crucified? Was he one of the, I don't know, maybe so. Maybe the history might show that. Maybe Halusa, she might know some things that can shed some light on that. I don't know. But what really happened to me in studying about this time and about the Holy Spirit and about these feasts is how do we get the very presence of Yahweh in our life? Yahweh's there. It's us drifting in and out. So what do we need to do to be able to get to this place? So number one, he's talking about giving alms and he's talking about praying continually. And this is why I'm telling you, i got to shore up my 9 and 3 o'clock hours. I need to shore up myself. And if you fit in that con... Look, I don't have a problem giving the alms. Y'all know me. I don't have a problem mowing and sharing and doing. I can do that. But i got to shore up things that I know i got to shore up. Because you know what? Just giving the alms ain't good enough. The prayer and the fellowship and drawing near to Him, it's both that cause the drawing near, not one or the other. But guess what, prayers? You might need to get out and do a little alms giving. So it fits that way too. This is what this is. This, this, this right here caused an angel to come to him. If you're doing something that allows an angel to come to you, you're doing something right. But there's something about the giving and the praying continually because it's called something. Yes. I thought about uh, Elijah when uh, he was, uh, they hadn't had any rain for three and a half years. There was a national food shortage, and livestock and produce were dead. So it was a national emergency, which is why Jezebel wanted his head. And as he begins to pray, he prays seven times. Well, if you go from nine o'clock to three, that's seven times. At the end of each hour, he sends his servant out to the Mediterranean to look west, and there's nothing for six times. Mm-hmm. And yet he continues praying. On the seventh time, he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. Amen. And with that one sign, because they probably hadn't had any clouds in a long time, he said, you can tell Ahab it's about to rain. So I think we're about to step into this Amen. ourselves. Amen. Amen. We will step into it when we're doing what we need to be doing to see what we need to see. See, just just showing up here on Saturday ain't good enough, guys. This is a result of what we're supposed to be doing. This is easy. Showing up here and doing a turkazia and a whatever we do, that's easy. Sing a song, clap, get up here and listen to me, endure for an hour. You know what I'm saying? Your tribulation, you know, whatever it is, you know, your alms or whatever. I'm just saying this is the easy part. But this is, if we don't get the, and this is why we say over and over, and this is why we have these teachers, they teach over and over and over, it's preparation, training for reigning. But remember when we talked about darkness and thick darkness is coming, ladies and gentlemen. And if we don't have our self where we need to be, we will find ourselves one day, it's so dark, like last night. And uh, i got to tell you this story. My wife laughed till I thought she was going to wet her pull-ups. No, y'all can edit that. She don't wear pull-ups, I'm just saying. Just to let everybody know that. But listen, she tells me, now it's dark. 
And she says, is the, is the house locked up? And then look at the stove. So if you know my house, I mean, you've been in your house for a long time. You know your house. So I get out of my house. I mean, I get up out of the bed, and I go into the hall right past. The door is locked up. There it is. And I'm looking at the stove. The stove is off. I come back. Boom, bang. I fall. Now, I tore this up, messed my shoulder up, my elbow, and my ankle. I fell. I'm like, is there a burglar in the house? This little thing right here was sitting in the way. I'm going to get this little dude. This thing that I have carried in her car forever. That dude was right in the hallway. It was at the door in the hallway. This thing is not little. So anyway, so I come, and I, and I mean, it is pitch black, and I hit this thing, bing, bang, bang, bing, and I fall, and you see how she's laughing? She said, are you okay? Oh, I don't mean to laugh. Is anything broke? I said, well, get up. I said, just let me. I don't know if anything's broke. My shoulder hurts. My hand hurts. My hand's swelling. My fingers are jammed. Did you mess my suitcase up? <laughs> no, she didn't say that. Her, no, she didn't say that. But what? Go ahead. You can. You can. What did you just think about? Thinking. I do this every Friday night. I have it ready to be packed. And I, should I tell him, hey, be sure and watch for the bags? <laughs> he wrecked. And I said, did you trip over the bags? And then I said, I thought I was going to tell you to watch for the bags, but I knew you would turn the light on. Who does this in the dark? <laughs> yeah. He said, so, everybody who knows their house. I know. So you never know in thick darkness, if you're not prepared, what may happen. Amen. So anyway, so if you see my shoulder, it is sore. But that's okay. But I didn't break anything. And, uh, and she got a great laugh. So that was our last night. I'm just glad that I'm not up here in a cast today, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. So it shows you that we all have our little wrecks every now and then. Amen. Okay, where am I at? Okay, I know Acts 10, saw the angel. Okay, verse 4, this is important. So he stared at him in terror, and he said, What is it, Master? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have done something. Have ascended. They went up. They, they ascended. That's important language. This is Torah language. They ascended as a what? You know what? Near about every, every translation has got this right. A memorial. This is feast talk. This is Moedim talk. This is Torah talk. So we're talking about prayers and alms. They have ascended as a memorial before Elohim. So what he was doing in the hours of prayer... Continually, and what he was doing in giving alms was doing something. They were, as a memorial, they were steadily ascending every day to Yahweh. You don't think this is important? You know it's important because an angel came to him. 
Now, I know that we know the rest of the story about Peter. Peter had to go too because Peter had to learn some stuff. I don't know where I got this from, but I don't know if it was Blue Letter or IVP. I don't know, but I want to read something here. A memorial. That part of a sacrifice which was burned on the altar together with frankincense, that its fragrance might ascend to heaven and commend the offer to Elohim's remembrance. And this is what he was doing. By doing the prayers and the alms, it was a memorial. He was doing a memorial. And this memorial was ascending as an offering, I mean, as a, as a, as a fragrance to the Father into his remembrance. How many times when you hear the word feast, we do this as a memorial in remembrance and remembrance. What did Yeshua say? As often as you do this, do this what? In remembrance. This, is, this language is important. They understood this language. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 2, verse 9, and then 16. I just want to read a couple of things there before we finish up. Leviticus 2, 9, and the priest... Now, can I ask you a question? Are we a kingdom of priests today? Okay, I believe that collectively that we would be the temple of the Holy Spirit. What Paul said, no, you're not that you are the temple. I believe that, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that he's writing his laws, his Torah here and here. That's what I believe. He called us a kingdom of priests. So this right here, you can put yourself in this in a sense that and the priest shall take from the grain offering its what? Memorial portion. This is what Cornelius was doing. Now, whether he knew what he was doing or not, I don't know. It's hard to believe that he did since Peter had to go and, and do some things. But him doing what he was doing was a memorial portion. Because they're using the same language and it was going up. It says, to burn on the altar a food offering as a pleasing aroma. What Cornelius was doing was a pleasing aroma that was going up to, to Yahweh. Look down at verse 16. And the priest shall burn as a memorial portion. You see this word again, some of the crushed grain and some of the oil of its frankincense. It is a food offering to Yahweh. See, this is an offering to him. So what when you're giving alms and you're praying and you're helping the widows, and this is what Yeshua said to do. What is pure religion? Is taking care of the widows and the orphans and not being defiled by the word, the world. We need to be defiled by the word, <laughs> no, but we're not by the world. So think about it. It's not just, it's cleansed. That's right. I just misspoke. But here's the deal. Widows and orphans, but we always leave out, you know, doing what's right part. And not being defiled by the world. I'm going to read something here. I got this from the Jewish Virtual Library. I don't know these people. I'm just going to read this. Okay. Um, the word carbonate. Usually translated as sacrifice or offerings. However, both of these terms suggest a loss of something or a giving up of something that I wrote on the board. Although it is certainly a part of the ritual, this is not at all the literal meaning of the Hebrew word. The word carbonate comes from the root of a cough, rash, and a bait, which means to draw near. It indicates the primary purpose of an offering is to draw near to Yahweh. That's what this was about, the carbonate. It says, 
there's three basic concepts underlying the carbon oath. The first is the aspect of giving. So if it's the aspect of giving, so right here you see this is where alms, you see where this is at. A korban requires a renunciation of something that belongs to the person making the offering. Thus, sacrifices are made from domestic animals, not wild animals, because the wild animals don't belong to anybody. So it's got to cost you something. You can't go out there and grab a wild animal and give it. It's not yours. You've got to have something that's yours. It's got to cost you something. It says, likewise, offering food are ordinarily in the form of flour and meal, which requires the substance or substantial work to prepare it. In other words, you've got to knead the bread. You've got to do something. You've got to have a part in this offering. Number two, it says another important concept of the element is substitution. The idea is that the thing being offered is substituted for the person making the offering. And the things that are done to the offering are the things that should have been done to the person this offering. And this is Yeshua. Yeshua became our sacrifice. The wages of sin is death. We were to die, but he took that. He became that sacrifice and that offering for us. But yet, we still have offerings that we need to do. Alms and continual prayer is definitely one of them. Offering is in some sense punished in the place of the offender. So you can see that whenever they were giving offerings, there was punishment in replace of us. And then the third concept would be the ability or the idea of coming closer. The, the uh, essence of sacrifice is to bring a person closer to Yahweh. And no doubt this is what happened to Cornelius in these times of prayer and the giving of alms. Now let's go back to Acts. We'll finish up with this. Verse 30 says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago. And you keep seeing this language here for a reason. I know that years ago when I didn't understand Torah and all of that, this ninth hour and these hours, they meant nothing to me. I'm just being honest. And I don't know too many people where it did mean anything. Okay, it was the ninth hour, it was this hour, it was that hour, that's good, that's fine. It didn't have a connection. But when you understand the Torah and you understand what he's trying to tell us, this is, this is here for a reason. It's not here just because he's just wanting you to know what time of day it was. This was very important times of day. So he says again, he said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at what time? The ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. And behold, a man stood before me in a bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers has been heard and your alms have been remembered. That's feast talk, memorial, that's feast. It, your, your alms and your prayers have been heard and remembered before Yahweh, before Elohim. Guys, I know that I always say this. A lot of times we as a people, we expect things to come in our life when we don't put nothing into it. If you're wanting the Holy Spirit, you want, you want these things to happen, especially on these times and seasons, that's why preparation, and I was telling Tammy the other day, I didn't know this. I'm not that smart. But when we come out of Shavuot and we got in those seven congregations, Going through what we've been going through since Sukkot last year, and we started in Revelation in those congregations, starting in Revelation 1, and understanding that Yeshua, 
that we are the can that we are the lampstand, that He's walking among us. He's walking among us, tending His lampstands, because He says we are those. You could imagine that He He's never left us or forsaked us. He is there tending us and and telling us that if you want to keep your light burning, you need to do this. And if you don't not do this, it's going to go out. He's telling us all of these things. He's been so proactive and even bringing us up through Passover, through the uh, unleavened bread, all the way through the county, all, all the way to this point. Guys, this is not something that you're just going to get two days before a festival and get yourself ready to go in. This is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Because what happens is, is when we come through, when we come through Shavuot tomorrow, and we celebrate, and we're going to pour out our hearts, and we're going to have a great time doing this, and the Holy Spirit is going to meet us here, not because of us, because of His promise in His Word. Now, if we're in sin, He's going to deal with us. He might bring some spanking, but whatever, He's going to meet. However, you, He's going to meet. He never not look. When we were doing the feast years ago, we did not know what we were doing. There's, there's a difference between worshiping at God and worshiping Him. took me a long time to figure that out. Because what we do is, and I, and I finally realized, that's why Yeshua, whenever He would heal people, He never did the same thing. He didn't spit in but one guy's eyes. You know, He didn't want it a formula to where we'd be spitting on everybody if they were blind. You know, it's by faith that you're healed. It's by faith that you're healed. This is, he says, your faith made you whole. Who touched me? It's her faith made her whole. See, that's what it is. It's your faith that makes you whole. It's not some gimmick or some formula or some hooey-dooey, pixie dust or whatever. It's not what it's about. It's our faith. And he's trying to teach us that it's our faith. Believing and trusting in him when you don't have anything that you can do about it. The Red Sea, you, all of Israel and all the people there couldn't blow hard enough to get that water to move. And all he does is, is just use one nostril. And the Red not only did it split it, it dried it up and gave them a pathway. He made the sea a highway. Only he can do that. And he wants to do that for me and you today. He wants to make the seas in our life highways. But we have to do our portion and we have to do our part. We just can't turn around and say, okay, here's a feast. Let me get my feast face on. You know, that ain't the way this thing works. We need to keep our feast face on. And you know when it starts? Every Shabbat. Every Shabbat. That's why in Leviticus 23, it starts with that. It don't start at Passover. It starts on the, on the seventh day that he made and he rested and he set apart and he sanctified it. Because it's his day. And we are His people. It's not a day. Six days are common days. They're a days, if you want to look at it. But seventh day is His day. We are His people. And I think the mindset is, is we got to really lock into this His business and get out of this A. You know what? Yeshua, Yeshua was a lamb. Yeshua was the lamb. That don't do me any good until Yeshua is my lamb. You understand what I'm saying? He can be the lamb and he is the lamb. Doesn't do me any good until I make Yeshua my lamb. It's ownership, relationship. 
is what these feasts, and this is what happened to Cornelius to the very place that whenever Peter said, okay, Cornelius talked, now I'm going to talk. And right in the middle of his talking, the Holy Spirit falls. Just like Yahweh when he was talking up there on the Mount Transfiguration when he was trying to build three tabernacles, three sukkahs, and Yahweh interrupted and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But yet the Holy Spirit fell on them. And, told, and it says right here, it says, And those who were with him, the circumcised, the people that came with him were amazed. But do you know that Peter made a statement when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2? He made a, spa- a statement that this was what Joel prophesied about. But have you really read the prophecy? The prophecy in chapter 2 in the verse, it says that he would pour out his spirit on who? All flesh, not just a select group of people. All flesh. Where does that come from? The pattern is coming out of Egypt. Israel wasn't the only group that came out of Egypt. There was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt. The nations came out with them. It's to show that our Heavenly Father, even though He chose a people, we're not, we're not a unit. We're not a dry seed. He gives us a place in the kingdom. So how all of this stuff works is that through Yeshua and reestablishing that we are a kingdom of priests, but guess what, kingdom of priests? We have something to do. And the hour of prayer in alms is of the utmost importance in our life. If you don't do it, I don't know what else to say, except you can't reap the blessings and the benefits when he lays something out so evident for us to do. And this is why I wanted to use Cornelius, and it's all through the Scriptures. You can see other people of how they were blessed by doing things in the Holy Spirit minister to them. A guy riding around on a wagon, and he translates Philip over there. Yahweh loves us. If he's got to move an angel here, if he's got to move somebody across there, if he's got to translate you somewhere and save you some gas money, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? But whatever he has to do, that's his love for his people. But for us, I'm just saying, what you get out of feast, what you get out of every Shabbat is what you put into it in the six days before you get here. Every feast, because do you know that Passover, what we've gone through up until this moment and tomorrow, will also be very, very influential in us as we head into Sukkot. And if we're not been prepared and if we've been goofed up, then you know what? We can pray for crop failure that we've been sowing bad seed. And you know what? I say these things that you sin not. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua, that we can at least get some spiritual roundup and kill these bad weeds and seeds that we may have sown. That's His mercy and His grace that we can pick back up. We may not be where we're supposed to be, and that's going to be evident, but at least we can. He can fix us and bring us along to where we will be ready. Guys, we know this. Shavuot is about, he gives us his Torah, he gives us his word, that's our ketubah. He gives us a wedding contract. Guess what about a wedding contract? We, we do this at our weddings. You lose that contract, guess what? You sunk up. You can't lose that contract because we're heading to a wedding. He's got his proof. He sent his Holy Spirit and his word for us. Because he has gone away for a season preparing a place for us. And this is what he's doing. He's going to come back with new Jerusalem and a new heaven and earth. And he's going to rule and reign. And we're going to rule and reign with him. 
But he deserves a spotless bride. He deserves not a people that's in this for fire insurance. I want you in my life because I don't want to go to hell because that's probably going to be hot for a long time. That isn't, that isn't who he's looking for. He's looking for people who love him. And you show him by loving, by giving alms, and praying continually and doing what he says to do. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Redeem.